Well, good morning, Hope Markham. Uh, What a privilege, uh, what a joy it is to open uh, God's Word with you today. And I I hope you have a copy of God's Word with you. uh, And you can turn to Genesis uh, chapter 22. Uh, That is the text that we will be in this morning. And uh, as you turn there, let's take a moment uh, and let's uh, ask the Lord to uh, speak to us uh, from His Word this morning. Father in heaven, we give you praise, Lord. Father, because you have provided the lamb, Jesus Christ, that has taken our place, that has bore our sins, and through faith in him, we are saved and receive this great gift of salvation. Lord, we pray now as we turn our attention to your word, that you would help us, Lord, that you would help us understand your word, help us apply your word, help us love your word, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, uh, do you like tests? I uh, learned very early on as a student, I'm not a big fan of tests. I've had the privilege of uh, leading our grade six boys small group. And one of the regular things that comes up during small group time is uh, the amount of tests that grade six boys have to take. Math tests, English tests, geography tests, science tests, and it's regularly a point of of prayer that we pray for them, that they would work hard and that they would be successful in their tests. And it brings me back a lot of times to some of the tests that I've had to take over the course of my lifetime. In fact, I think of one specific test that I had to take, and it wasn't just a test, it was a final exam of my final semester of my undergraduate. And this one course Uh, I was doing terribly in. Uh, There were some things going on in my life, some things at work that I was dealing with, and I just didn't put the time in that this uh, course required. And it was only a couple weeks in, but I I was doing very poorly. And uh, my professor, a couple weeks in, uh, says to me at the beginning of class, says, Matt, I want to see you after class in my office uh, to talk about something. So as you can imagine, my mind is racing and thinking about the whole time class is going on. I wonder what he wants to talk to me about. If it has anything to do with my grade in his class, I know it's not going to be a good conversation. Class ends. I follow him to his office. I uh, sit down uh, in the chair. He closes the door. He sits down in the chair, and there's not really any pleasantries. He gets right to it. He says, Matt, you are doing terribly in this course. So terrible, in fact. I don't think you're going to be able to get out in front and, and pass this course. And uh, I wanted to talk with you this week because this week is the final week for you to drop out of this course and get your money back. Um, I want to encourage you to do this. And I remember thinking, my final semester of my undergraduate degree, and I said, respectfully, professor, if I drop out of this course... I'm going to have to push my graduation off. And I know, it's, I, know I haven't done well, but I, I'm going to put the time in. I'm, I'm going to catch up. I'm, I'm going to get ahead. And he was very quick to remind me that, Matt, if you drop out of this class, you, you don't graduate. But if you fail this class, you don't graduate either. And after I picked myself up off the floor and uh, said to him, you know what, I'm going to think about this and make the decision, I decided that I would uh, put the work in. I'd catch up and uh, by. Uh, God's grace, I I did pass the course, but man, do I remember that final exam. I remember that final exam so well. I remember the days and the weeks leading up to that final exam. I was stressed. 
I was frightened and terrified of this test, this final exam. See, tests, they can be frightening things. Tests are frightening things for students. Just this past week, I was talking to an undergraduate uh, student who was doing their final exams and uh, how stressful it is. The truth is, we don't just have tests in real life, in, in our school classes or driving school. We have tests of faith. This morning, we turn our attention to Genesis chapter 22, which could be one of the greatest tests of faith any man has ever gone through. And just like we grow through the testing of our knowledge in school, how we grow in faith is through the testing of our faith. And we're going to see today that faith that grows, if we want growing faith, if we're followers of Jesus, faith that grows is faith that is tested. That if you are a follower of Jesus, the scriptures are clear. It's not if you'll be tested, it's when. It's when. And we're going to read our passage now, and we're going to see three things out of our passage this morning. We're going to see what faith tests require of us. What do we need when we face great tests of faith? We're going to see a second thing. We're going to see what tests of faith reveal about our faith, because they do reveal what's really there. And then the last thing we're going to see is the fulfillment of faith. So let's turn our attention now to Genesis chapter 22. I hope you're there with me. Uh, Let's read verse 1 to 19. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. He said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac, and he cut the wood for the burnt offering, and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. And on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. Then Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and he laid it on his son Isaac. And he took in his hand the fire and the knife. So they went both of them together and Isaac said to his father, Abraham, my father. And he said, here, I am my son. He said, behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went, both of them, together. And they came to the place of which God had told him, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. He said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes. And looked, and behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up 
as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. And the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, by myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and as the sand that is on the seashore. And your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies and in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. So Abraham returned to his young men and they arose and went together to Beersheba. And Abraham lived at Beersheba. We will be tested in our faith. If you are a follower of Jesus, tests of faith will come. Maybe right now, you're in a moment of testing. You feel the testing of your faith. But we need to distinguish something. Everything we go through doesn't necessarily mean that we're being tested by God or God is allowing testing. James chapter 1 verse 12 to 16 makes it clear that temptations aren't tests from God. Temptations come from our sinful desires. That trials and tests come from the Lord with a special purpose. God has a special purpose in sending tests. Tests are going to help us grow. In fact, the New Testament gives us a couple of uh, reasons why God will allow tests to come into our life to test our faith. James chapter 1, verse 2 to 4, it says this, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete and lacking in nothing. God will send and allow tests of faith into our life to produce and to perfect character in us. Another reason God might send a test of faith into our lives, uh, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 6 to 9 tells us. It says in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 6, In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, for that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise, in glory, in honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not see him now, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. God will send tests to perfect our character and to purify our faith. Are you ready? Are you ready? Tests will come. Maybe right now you're not in a season of testing. But if you are a follower of Jesus, tests will come. It's not a matter of if. It's a matter of when. And here we see in Genesis chapter 22, one of the greatest tests of faith anyone has ever gone through. And we see that the one who is taking the test is this man named Abraham. And the one who is giving this test is God himself. Verse one, it says, after these things, God tested 
Abraham and said to him, Abraham. And he said, here I am. Verse two, this is the test. He said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. God wants Abraham to take his son, the son whom he loves, and to offer him as a burnt offering. Notice uh, at the very beginning of uh, verse one, it says, after these things. If you know the story of Abraham, you know the story of how Isaac came about. See, Abraham, he was called uh, from Ur of the Chaldeans. God called him and said, Abraham, through you, I'm gonna make a great nation. And through you and your offspring, I am gonna bless all the families of the earth. And Abraham, he later goes to the Lord and says, Lord, I have no offspring. I am childless. The heir to my house is Eliezer of Damascus. You promised me that I was going to be having offspring as numerous as the stars of the sky. And I don't even have a child. And God, again, takes him outside and says, Abraham, look up to the sky. Can you count the stars? If you can count the stars, that is how many your offspring and descendants will be. And we see later on that Abraham and Sarah, as they wait, become impatient. They don't trust God and they take things into their own hands. And Sarah says to Abraham, Abraham, take my servant, Hagar, because I'm barren. I can't bear you any children. Take my servant and bear a child. And this is what they do. They, they do that and Ishmael is born. And God later comes to Abraham and says to Abraham, Abraham, through the offspring of your wife, Sarah, I will make you a great nation out of. And Abraham, he says, Lord, can't you just use Ishmael? Use Ishmael. And Lord says, no, it will be Sarah. And it says Abraham laughs because he is a man that's 100 years old and his wife is a 90-year-old woman that's been barren her whole life. And when Sarah hears this too, they laugh. And God's response is, is anything too hard for the Lord? No. And a year later, by the miraculous power of God, a 100-year-old man and a 90-year-old woman who's been barren for her entire life give birth to a child who they name Isaac, which means laughter. How fitting. And this child they love. It's the child that God has promised that through this child, he is going to multiply their offspring. He is going to make a great nation out of. And this is the child we find in Genesis chapter 22 that God asks Abraham, the child of the promise, to take to the land of Moriah and to lay him on the altar and to offer him as a sacrifice. This is the test And the first thing we're going to see out of our text this morning is that tests of faith, when we face tests of faith, they require obedience. They require obedience. Look with me at verse 3. It says, so Abraham rose early in the morning. He saddled his donkey and he took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac and he cut the wood for the burnt offering. It arose and went to the place with which God had told them. What is so shocking 
is the fact that God would ask Abraham to do this. But what is equally shocking is Abraham's response. Obedience. Obedience. Can you imagine what was going through this man's head? What was, uh, he was feeling in his heart, what he was wrestling with. See, the law of Moses had not been given, but we know that God's moral law was written on the hearts of men. We know that Abraham would have known God's disgust with the murder of other human beings. Abraham would know God's disgust with child sacrifice. And wrestling through all of these things, he rises up early and he's out. He's saddling his donkey and the thoughts that would be going through his mind that he was going to take his son, the son of the promise, the son whom he loved. And he tells his servants, he gets his son ready and then out there with the axe, every swing of the axe, the things that were going through his mind. Does God really want me to do this? Is this really what God wants me to do? We see in verse four, it says, on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. A three day journey with his son, his two servants, thinking about all of these things. And what's so amazing is the text actually doesn't say anything about what Abraham was feeling, what he was thinking, what he was wrestling with. And certainly he was thinking and he was feeling and he was wrestling with things. But what the text makes so abundantly clear is his obedience He wakes up early. He gets the donkey ready. He prepares his servant and his son and he gets to chopping the wood. Obedience, obedience. How? Tests of faith, they require obedience, but how? How do we have this obedience? How did this man, how was he able to be so obedient to what God had called him to? Well, look at verse five. It says that then Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on his son Isaac. And he took in his hand the fire and the knife. So they went, both of them, together. They get to the Mount of Moriah. And Abraham says to his servants, Stay here, my son and I go over to worship and will come again to you. Abraham is about to go lay his son on the altar and offer him as a sacrifice and he's going to come again to them? Does Abraham actually think this? Does he actually think he's going to return with his son? Absolutely. Absolutely. This is what was motivating his faith. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 17 and 19 gives us uh, so much clarity and gives us uh, some commentary on this chapter and what was going on in Abraham's mind and how he was able to be obedient in such a, a time of testing. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 17 and 19, it says this. It says, by faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, And he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able 
even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. See, Abraham knew something. He knew something in this testing time, this moment of testing. He knew that God's will and God's word never contradict. Let me say that again. God's will and God's word, they never contradict. With every step up that mountain, with the torch in hand and the knife in hand and his boy right by his side, he knew that, yes, God had commanded him to do this, but he knew that God keeps his word. It was God's promised word. It was God's word that kept him to being obedient in the time of trial, in the time of testing. It was God's word that he knew that even if I do this, that God will bring Isaac back. He will resurrect him because it's through Isaac that God had promised to bless me and to make me the father of a great nation. And this is where we need to think about for ourselves. Do we have a high place of God's word in our life? Because when the trial and the test comes and they come to shake the core of our faith, if we are going to be faithful to the Lord in those tests, if we're going to be able to endure through those tests, it's through holding on to God's word. It is through holding on to the promise of God's word. Do you know his word? Do you read his word? Do you love his word? We treat God's word so flippantly. It's, it's a mere paperweight for some of us. It sits on our nightstand or our coffee table and we peruse it here or there. We might take a look once or twice a week and yet we devote hours upon hours to Netflix, to TV, to endlessly scrolling the news, to engaging with people online, and we treat God's word as a placeholder. And when the test of faith comes, it is going to shake our faith, and there's going to be no way that we can remain faithful and steadfast under those times of testing and trial if we do not know God's word. You see, we can't believe God's word if we don't know it. Does it have a place in your life? Do you read it? Do you know it? Do you love it? This is what Abraham held on to every step up Mount Moriah. It was God's word. It was God's word. This is what's required of tests of faith, obedience. But what we see also is not just what tests of faith require, but we see what tests of faith reveal. Tests of faith reveal the object of my faith. You see, if you've ever gone through a test of faith, you know that tests of faith, they pull back the curtains of your heart. They peel back the layers and you begin to see what you really trust and you begin to see what your faith is really made of. And this is what we see with Abraham. We see, Abraham, do you trust in the promised son or do you trust in God? Verse 7. And Isaac said to his father, Abraham, my father, and he said, here I am, my son. He said, behold, the fire in the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? 
Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went, both of them, together. And when they came to the place of which God had told them, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. Can you imagine? Abraham and his son, they're walking up the mountain. His son's got this bundle of wood. Abraham's got the knife and the torch. And Isaac looks over at his dad and says, Dad, father, the fire and the wood, where is the lamb? Where is the lamb? And we see, we see the object of Abraham's faith. We see what and who he's placed it in. He didn't place it in his son. He placed it in God. The Lord God himself will provide a lamb for the burnt offering. And we see they get to the top of Mount Moriah. They lay the wood out and he lays his son And his son willingly obeys his father and lays down on the altar. And he has the knife ready to drop it. And the angel appears and says, Abraham, Abraham. He says, here I am. I can't imagine how relieved he was to see that angel. And he said, do not lay your hand on that boy. Don't do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God. There it is, the proof of his test. He sees, now God sees, Abraham, you really do trust in me. You really do have your faith in me. See, that word testing that's used in verse 1 isn't the word that's used for a test where you pull out the chair, you sit down, and you write the test. That word testing has the same connotation as a metal worker would test precious gold. And to test precious gold would put it in the furnace. And it would be exposed to the boiling heat and it would test the purity and the strength and the temper of that gold. That is what's happening with Abraham's faith in this moment. It's testing and revealing who he's placed his faith in. And we see, we see, it's in God. The angel says, we, we see, you fear God. You see, I, I'm not big in uh, to boxing, but uh, I've seen sometimes when there's a, a, a fight that's about to happen, uh, there's a lot of chit-chat and bantering and uh, chirping and name-calling, but sometimes you'll, you'll see someone occasionally say, we'll see what you're made of in the ring. See, it's true, right? That it's easy to talk the talk outside the ring, but for the boxer, if you want to see what the boxer's made of, you got to get in the boxing ring. And for gold, if you want to see what gold is made of, you got to put it in the fire. And for faith, if you want to see what faith is made of, put it to the test. That is what God has been doing and seeing and revealing his faith is in the Lord. And this is the same truth that applies to us when we are being tested in our faith. It will reveal the good, the bad, and the ugly 
It will reveal what we're trusting in, what our hearts love, what our hearts find their comfort in and their joy in. Some of us, we find our faith placed in our trust and our joy and our life and our comfort placed in things that are not God. And this is an opportunity for us to self-examine our hearts. You see, those things that you love most, those things that you find most joyful and comforting and secure, could you lay that on the altar? Could you give that up? If God took that away from you, would you still have faith that stands? We see Abraham, the son whom he loved, the son of the promise, the son for many years, the joyful moments, knowing that it was through him that God would fulfill his promises. He lays him on the altar because his faith's not in his son. His faith is in God. There are so many good things that God has blessed us with and it's so easy for us to begin to place our faith, our trust, our love, get our security and our comfort in our jobs, our spouse, our children, the things that we have. All of these things are good things, but they make terrible gods. And when they're taken away, our faith doesn't stand. And if you're in a test of faith right now, this is an opportunity to place your faith in the Lord. And if you're not in a test of faith, this is an opportunity to really self-examine your heart. Am I trusting in? Am I building my life around things other than the Lord? Tests of faith, they will reveal. As the boxing ring reveals the boxer, as the fire reveals the gold, the test of faith will reveal what faith is in. We see one last thing in our passage. The faith that grows is faith that's tested. There is a joy that comes in knowing that God doesn't waste these tests. He has a purpose in them to purify us, to produce character in us. But we see one last thing in this passage that is amazing. We see faith's fulfillment by God's promised provision. Faith's fulfillment by God's promised provision. Verse 12 He said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked and behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. What we see is God's promised provision in this ram. That God provides us, not by coincidence this ram shows up. God provides the ram. And we see because Abraham's faith has been tested and he passed the test, that God actually reaffirms his covenant blessing with him, that Abraham, surely I will make you a great nation. Surely it is through, all, through your line of offspring that all the families of the earth will be blessed. Surely, Abraham, we see faith is fulfilled by God's promised provision. But it's odd to me, as we've been going through this, as we look at this chapter, it's easy to think, is, is God cruel? Why would God command Abraham and test him in in this way. Surely there was another way. 
Why would God test him where elsewhere in his word we know that he forbids murder? We know that he forbids child sacrifice. Why would he ask Abraham to do something that he forbids elsewhere in his word? You see, this passage isn't to be a picture of God's cruelty. This passage is a picture, is a foreshadowing, is a pointing to of a future event when God the Father would take his son, not up Mount Moriah, but up Mount Calvary, and God would sacrifice his son. This is a picture to point to the ultimate provision of God. See, God here provides Abraham a lamb, or a ram, but Isaac, he asks about a lamb. Where is the lamb? God provides a ram, where is the lamb? The New Testament answers this question, where is the lamb? John chapter 1, verse 29, John the Baptist, he lays his eyes on the lamb. He sees the lamb face to face, Jesus Christ and John the Baptist. He says, behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus is God's ultimate provision that this passage points to God's ultimate provision in Jesus Christ. When God would take his son and not lay upon his back a bunch of wood, but a wooden cross. And God would lay upon his son the iniquity of us all. And God would take his son up Mount Calvary. And God would sacrifice his son, but this time it would be different because there wouldn't be an angel that yells stop. That God's son would be sacrificed. That he was the lamb that God himself provided. This is the point to the cost of sin. See, Abraham, he was a man familiar with sacrifice. They were familiar with sacrifice in this day because they knew the cost of sin. It was uh, by a sacrifice that you could get forgiveness of sins. The scriptures say without the shedding of blood, there can be no remissions and no forgiveness of sins. Something has to die. Sin is costly. And in this passage, we don't see God's cruelty. We see it pointing to God's love. That God has fulfilled, he has fulfilled faith by his promised provision. This is an encouragement to us. As we walk through tests of faith, we can know that our heavenly father has provided everything that we need. He has provided the most important thing, his son, Jesus Christ. And for you right now, if you have not trusted in Jesus Christ as your Lord and as your Savior, if you haven't trusted Jesus as the one who has taken your place on that cross, the one who God has provided for you, if you haven't trusted him, you are going to have to pay for your sins. With eternal punishment, the Bible says, unless you trust in him as your Lord and as your Savior, you can do that today, right now, this moment. You can put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ.
And for us, as we walk through tests of faith, we can rejoice because faith that grows is faith that's tested. God has a purpose in it and we see this in this passage. Tests of faith, they require our obedience. Are we ready? Tests of faith, they reveal what our heart really has its faith in. It's time to examine. And faith is fulfilled by God's ultimate promised provision. Trust in him. Church, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we rejoice, Lord. We rejoice, Lord, because you yourself have provided the lamb. Lord, we rejoice because, yes, Christ has died, but he is risen. Lord, that uh, he died for us in our place. He's displayed your love in the cross. And Lord, that when we trust in him, we receive forgiveness of sins and we receive eternal, everlasting life. Lord, tests of faith will come. I pray, Lord, that we would be prepared, that we would rejoice, Lord, that you have a great and grand purpose in them. Father, we praise you because of your promised provision in Jesus Christ.